Hey guys, Mina here. Just jumping in here to let you guys know we have something so exciting. It's a free masterclass and we created it just for you right now. We keep getting questions. How do I pivot and sell right now? The number one question we get is how can I make more sales? And so we want to teach you how to create a plan to boost your sales and grow your business right now. So if you want this totally free masterclass that we've created for product-based businesses, head over to pivotandsell.com. We'll see you in there. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kulosita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. And introducing the other half of the Product Boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey everybody, Jacqueline and Mina here, your co-hosts of the Product Boss Podcast. Today, we will be sharing a conversation we had with a fellow female founder. You see, we believe women helping women is what the world needs more of. Introducing our female founder episodes, where we interview fellow female entrepreneurs and highlight their small business. Our goal is to shine a spotlight on product businesses to encourage our community to support each other, learn from each other, buy from each other, and lift each other up. So let's jump in. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Female Founders episode. We are just thrilled and excited to have a very special guest on today. So we have Anne Williams of Yearly Co. joining us on our Female Founder episode. Hey, Anne. Hi, girls. How are you today? We are, I mean, we've known you a long time now, I feel like, and it's amazing. This is the first time you're on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, I think, two years, do we decide? Two years. You're famous in our world. (laughs) I know. I think I talk about you at least once a week, you know, outside the mastermind. So why don't you go ahead and give us an intro to what you sell, what you do, who you are. So about five years ago, I started a business based on our family tradition of gold bangles. I can show here. Um, It was a family tradition that started with my grandfather gifting my grandmother one every year of marriage. And so it was very natural, like just kind of a thing that we were already doing in our family. And we really needed a reliable source for these bangles. Um, Different jewelers would charge different things or they'd be different quality. So I decided to make them just because I was like, oh, how hard could it be to make a gold bangle? Well, it's actually kind of hard, but um, I took classes when I was pregnant with my second child so that I could learn how and just loved that creative outlet, hammering away in my garage um, with my torch at night and started just really selling to uncles and cousins and my dad and my brothers, um, which was great because I already knew, you know, I had a built in customer base and never in my wildest dreams did I think, you know, I would make beyond a few bracelets a month, maybe, but it really took off very organically, which was so exciting um, and has grown now to where we are, which is a bunch of, a bunch of, I guess, five full-time employees. Um, We're adding another one pretty soon. Truly a full-time job. Amazing. So where, where are you in the world? So they know. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And you now have, you, you have a building. 
that you have a store, like a brick and mortar store. Which I said over and over again, like I'll never do retail. I don't want overhead. That sounds awful. Um, And it just became very apparent after running this out of my house for so long that we needed a space. Um, I kind of call it a headquarters. It definitely has retail for our customers, but it's really where we house our employees. Um, We have a studio space that's outfitted for everyone. And we're able to both make jewelry on site and sell it, um, obviously, to our customers and ship as well. So you said that you have five employees now. So what was your first hire though? Do you start with one or did you start with three? I started with an intern, which there's differing opinions on that. Um, But I, you know, being just a stay-at-home mom trying to run this business, I was rushing to FedEx at 7 p.m. regularly. My husband was traveling all the time. Um, Yeah, my girls got a lot of candy at FedEx for coming with me. (laughs) But I just needed a little bit of help. And I was afraid to pay someone because, you know, when you start your business, you're just looking at every dime. And, but I put out basically a call on the Vanderbilt alumni website and asking for an intern. Um, and that's where I found Michaela, who's my first employee who's still with me today. Um, and so she started as an intern and would come over and would pack boxes and just help me get through emails. And it's amazing being a mom of two under two, I would watch her get done in an hour and a half what it took me two days to do. (laughs) Very valuable. And then I ended up hiring her on as my first full-time employee after about a year. And so who was your next hire after that? My next hire was a jeweler. Um, That was the other, in the back of my mind, I remember my dad saying, what are you going to do when you can't, you know, keep up with production? And this was when I was making like five bangles a month. And in my head, I was like, that will never happen. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I can make a ton of these. I'll be fine. Um, Well, we grew to the point where I couldn't make a ton of them. I was staying up till, honestly, I remember staying up till like three in the morning um, through holiday seasons and then waking up with kids. So I finally was realized I needed help. So I hired part-time a jeweler who was going to just help me polish and kind of get things finished up and then hired him on, I believe it was May of last year. So Mm -hmm. it took a while to really add on that next employee. Yeah, it was amazing because Anne, if you follow her on Instagram, she has an amazing Instagram. You would see her making bangles at 3 a.m. because she's really great at sharing sort of like all the working things. And so I just remember like scrolling through, I'm like, oh, she was up a few hours ago. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm a night owl. It's a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we met you back about two years ago, like in 2000, I think you were saying about 2018. Mm-hmm. And you came on first, like we first met you through a strategy session and then you eventually joined our mastermind. And two years later, you're actually still in our masterminds with us, which is, I mean, we are honored to have you a part of this. And then watching your growth has been like bonkers. Um, so in the strategy session though, I know that we kind of coached you on a couple things. Yeah. What would you say just cause, because this is, I think what really was like that, that break of like you kind of taking off into like yeah. a certain revenue level. So what, what did you sort of shift back then? Yeah, that strategy session was so helpful to me. Um, I think when you're in that phase of business, you're afraid to pay for any services, you know, and you're like, well, I can't afford, you know, these people are like too fancy for me or something, but I had listened to your podcast and I loved just a lot of the advice. It was so straightforward. Um, and I think for creatives, I'm maybe half creative minded, half business minded, so I can be distracted by shiny things. Um, but one thing that you guys pointed out was that, you know, I started really taking feedback from customers and they'd say, can you make this ring? Can you engrave this ring? And can you add this 
other thing. And I love those earrings and, and they'd send me pictures of other jewelry wanting me to make it. And I was flattered because what they were saying is we want to buy more things from you. We want you to make them. But um, the truth of the matter was that every time I took on a new product or a new concept or um, not copied, but you know, went off in a direction that wasn't my own, it took so much mental energy, so much time and ended up being less revenue. So you guys really gave me the freedom to say like, why are you making, why'd you jump into rings if you didn't feel great about them? Um, and I just took that off my plate. And I knew what was selling well, which was our classic bangle. It has like a great margin. Um, I know exactly how we're doing it and what we're doing with it. So it doesn't take a lot of extra thought process. And then once we, once I really narrowed in on that, I feel like my business grew so much because I knew, okay, just stay, you know, it's not as exciting to not introduce new products all the time, but I think customers like knowing this is where I'm coming for this thing. And there's some beautiful variations to add uniqueness, but once you get overwhelmed with product, it just, it can be really hard to keep an eye on your expenses. Right. And it, you didn't actually eliminate custom at all. It was really that you got really specialized with what you offered and then you do still offer custom for, for the right margin. So I think that that is really helpful too, because you're not getting those orders and feeling like kind of that cringe of, Oh, I don't have time to work on that right now, especially as a designer, you need that creative juice flowing a lot of times. Um, and it can take it away from that. Yeah. And I knew there was some custom stuff that I needed help. I needed to add on more qualified jewelers. Like either I was going to have to invest a ton of time in that skill set, or bring on someone who was already amazing at it. And I could, you know, give that to my customer. So that was kind of the way that I grew in that direction. So you started in 2016, you started working with us in 2018, your kid, how old are your kids now? They are four and six, almost five and six. So would you say it's easier now, harder? I was thinking about that today. Um, they're so loud. I mean, <laughs> I think like an infant is loud when you're the mom, you know, and you're like, oh, they're crying. And now it's just, they just are full of pep, those two. But, you know, I can also be like, all right, quiet time, iPad time, let's go take a break. And I don't mm-hmm. and give them a snack. I don't hear from them for an hour and a half. So there's pluses and minuses. I was definitely overwhelmed back then, but I also like, I really loved being home with them in that phase. I mean, if you had asked me back then, I don't know that I would have said that every day, but, um, and being out of school right now with everything that's going on has been challenging. Um, but all in all, they can buckle themselves in the car. We can, you know, there's a lot more autonomy and independence. Um, so I think it is easier now. Yeah. Agreed. I think it's weird seeing kind of looking back to how it was before it feels so hard. Oftentimes I'm like, I don't know how I got through that. And now it still feels a little bit hard, but just in a different way. And I think that that's similar to the entrepreneurial journey. The struggles are different. So Mm -hmm. what are some struggles for you that might've been the struggles before and what are your struggles now? Yeah, I think I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I think in all of our minds, it just gets easier parenting and everything, you know, that whole like, oh, when they're five, it's just not going to be hard anymore. Um, (laughs) And with the business, some of the struggles I had early on were, you know, scaling and staying up till three in the morning and all of that. But at the same time, our packaging was basic and our, you know, process was simple. We had a Squarespace site that I knew the ins and outs of, and I could edit at any point. Um, As we've grown, our customer service has grown. Our orders have grown. I mean, we send, we ship about 50 orders a day right now. So we've really had to adjust 
from a technology standpoint and it's not my strong suit. Um, and you have to hire people if you want it done really well. So it's just been a learning process there, hiring the right people, paying for a quality you know, product and a quality system, and just making sure that our customers are getting the care and attention they need, because that's really the point for us is that it's a very personalized experience. And if we can't keep up with that kind of customer service, then I think we our business, business would suffer. And I mean, you've just had amazing growth. Thinking about your growth in three years, going from 50K a year to 175, did you say? Yeah. Um, 2017, we did 275,000 in sales. Um, 2018, we did 750,000. And then this past year, we did 2.2 million in sales. It's just incredible. And that's really by focusing on what you do best and stepping into a bit of a CEO role. Because I think when you were doing this and you were staying up and you were, a lot of the things that we've kind of pushed you towards is the fact that you don't have to do it all. Absolutely. And And so what are some things that you're, some skills or surprises or things that you felt that you didn't realize that were going to come out of you personally compared to, because we we see the growth as an outsider. Um, Have you noticed any, growth within yourself from that. Yeah. I I don't think I ever pictured myself as a boss or even really wanted to be one. Um, I'm really into the Enneagram. I'm a nine on the Enneagram. So I tend to want people just to be like, everybody do what you want and everyone be happy. But you know, as a boss, you have to lay down some guidelines and have expectations. Um, I think my favorite part of the process has been watching people grow into roles and just do really well at things that I'm not good at. Um, and being able to hand things off and have them carried out, you know, I'm, I will admit I'm very scatterbrained and I think that's part of the two kids and, you know, just running a lot of different things. But when I'm, when I finally just trusted my employees and handed things off to them, like this needs to get done, it would get done. And then I'm like, Oh, that's all I have to do is delegate to someone who knows what they're doing. So, um, and I think I give them the sense of pride that, you know, they're, we're a team. Like I do not think this business is about me. Um, it's really about all of us and all of our skill sets and how we work together um, and how I can sell the jewelry and design the jewelry and make sure that we're doing the best for our customers. And then each one of them has a vital role in the entire process. Um, we share like customer reviews with the team regularly. We just, I really want them to know that like they're doing something meaningful. It's not just, you know, working for me. Yeah. I love that. So before when you just had Michaela, it was the two of you and you guys kind of did it all as a team and she, we call her your right hand, right? Now you have a team. What does that look like for your weekly schedule? How many touch points do you have with them? That's a great question. I've finally, I think, gotten better at this um, in terms of team meetings. And we've added the, the most recent three employees, I think, just in the last year. So, and one in the last couple of weeks. So I think I've finally kind of gotten better at putting people in charge of things. So if you have a question about X, Y, and Z, you're going to check with Sarah. And then I'm going to hear from her once a week about it versus, you know, I uh, talked to my team about this earlier in the year. I'm like, I'm going to try to just stop texting everyone. <laughs> like it's a, it's a hard shift when you've just gone from this at home and especially Michaela and I, we just have a constant, you know, conversation about things, but I'm trying really hard to let everyone dive into what they need to get done. And then we can convene and chat more about, you know, issues they've run into or, specifics um, that we need to talk more about, but the day-to-day everyone has their roles and 
and it's, I've had to be a little more, they've had to be a little more independent without me in the office as much um, through this coronavirus time. So it's actually worked to our advantage. They're doing a great job. And when I come in, I can help, you know, make decisions and um, listen to their feedback about how things are going. But I appreciate so much that they can work really well on their own. It's really kind of changed you too, I think, as a business owner, as we've seen it, because you've been forced to step back. I mean, coronavirus, there was a point where people were working from home. Like you built this beautiful office and these workbenches for the jewelers, and then everything shifted. So it's it's amazing watching you sort of navigate all of this as you as you step through it. Thanks. It's been interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I think one of the things that I especially love working with you, having worked with you and seen the progress on is that you've not only increased your revenue by a lot, but you've also become crystal clear on your brand voice. That's something that can get as you grow bigger, get a little bit muddled, but it was the opposite for you. It became more clear. Would you say that that was the case? Absolutely. Um, I think what I noticed, and there's definitely been times when I've veered off here and there, is that for us, success in whether it's an Instagram post or a product, um, it comes from meaning. It has to be relevant. You know, I the concept that I feel like I go back to is contextualize our product. So it can't just be like, look at this ring. This ring's so pretty, isn't it? Pretty. It would be pretty on you. You know, it has to be like we. I came up with the, for example, this North star bangle we just launched. Um, I loved it. I love the look of it, but we thought long and hard about what could it mean to our customer? Because there's a lot of pretty jewelry out there. And if you're just selling jewelry because it's pretty, I think it's harder. It's harder to connect with people and to get them to really spend that money. So the North star bangle to us was about um, finding direction and purpose and finding, you know, meaning in that way. And there's graduates who are trying to find their direction and their purpose. And maybe there's a friendship between two women where they feel like, you know, they've guided each other. Um, and so once we craft those stories around the pieces, I just feel like it's such a natural way to market. It doesn't feel like, all right, how many of these are going to sell? We're really thinking like what customer is going to love this piece and what is it going to mean to them? Yeah, That's I so love important. that. Um, Did you ever struggle as a the idea of a maker? Did you ever identify as a maker? Yes. Um, and I don't know that I would have understood that having not been in the mastermind with you guys and he- heard you talk about it more. Um, and I think it's just funny. There's there's people who are in as makers and as jewelers who are like, all I ever want to do is sit at my bench and make stuff. And I do love that. I really enjoyed it. Um, but once I realized, once I shifted the, the idea that like, I want to make everything, I want it to have to do with me to, I want to give our customers the best experience they could have. The jewelers that I hired are better than me. That's just the truth. <laughs> They've been doing it longer. Their skill set's amazing. They do it all day. And I couldn't serve more customers by being the one making everything. Um, I think it would actually hurt our customers because I wouldn't be able to offer as much. Our designs would be slower. Our turnaround would be slower. And so it got to the point where I realized, like, if I can be overseeing production and really making sure things are made exactly how I want them to, I don't have to be the one holding the torch. And so what do you see coming up? I mean, you got, you have just reached such phenomenal goals. So do you have any big plans for 2020? Where do you see yearly company going in the next 
short-term and long-term. Yeah. So we're definitely, we're adding one more employee. So we'll have six and I'm hoping that feels like a good solid team to get us through, you know, another year, six months to a year. Um, the goals for us are just to continue doing what we're doing and doing it well. Um, I'm introducing like a vintage collection, which is kind of a unique bunch of finds, which has kept my creative side engaged and, um, just finding ways to give our current loyal customer some rewards for being there, for being on the journey with us, you know, whether it's fun, custom pieces, um, we've crafted definitely more custom pieces from like family stones or heirlooms. We really enjoy that. Um, and just growing our products, but not in a way that's in, you know, 10 directions, just kind of growing them forward, um, listening to our customers and finding out what everyday pieces they're just dying to wear. And we always keep in mind, whatever we're designing and selling today, I would, my dream is that you could hand that to your granddaughter and she would love to wear it too. You know, so we're trying not to chase trends and um, just for the sake of trendiness and sales and really keep that really classic, timeless, you know, pieces that you'll have forever. Oh, I love that. So when you made 50,000 that year, it was off your own website, right? You weren't on Etsy. That's right. I never started on Etsy. Um, my gut at the time was just that my product was so simple and the story is what sold it. And so I didn't feel like I could tell my product story on Etsy and I felt like no one was going to find me there. I mean, you look up gold bagel, gold bangle on Etsy and I, I would be lost. So, um, it just seemed to make more sense to go via a website. And I mean, 2016 and 2015 was like the golden age of Instagram. <laughs> uh-huh where everyone saw your posts and then, you know, engaged. And so we grew on Instagram organically for free. Um, I do have a sister who is quite an account. And so she was helpful in, in growing my following. Um, but yeah, that was the way we did it. We just jumped in in a very direct to consumer way. But even right now, don't you have only like 35,000 followers or something? 42 now, but yeah. 42. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not, you know, when we think about Instagram and even being in the golden times of Instagram, you would think hundreds of thousands, but you built this on 42,000 followers. Yeah. And we really, I consider our customer base to be about 6,000 people. That's Mm. the regular tried and true comeback on our email list. Um, and so, and I mean, that, to me, that's a lot, but also not a lot for our revenue. Um, but I think that's a place people get really stuck in the comparison game and confused because there's a lot of influencers and brands that have hundreds of thousands of followers, but how much are people really engaging and coming back and, you know, even, I don't know, just participating in those, in that content. So I think it can be tricky there. I've tried to never use that as a gauge for our success. It's fun. And, you know, we ideally we'll get in front of new eyeballs there, but it's changed a lot. And so we'd rather have loyal customers that we can give a lot to from our emails or, you know, engage over our stories um, rather than just trying to get in front of as many eyeballs as possible. Yeah. One of the things I find interesting about your story and kind of the reason why I especially love having you on here, besides the fact that we do indeed love you, truly love you, That's true. Is, <laughs> is that uh, when you first started, you were a stay-at-home mom that raised the girls. Then as we're evolving, because your husband is an entrepreneur as well, right? And so, yeah, started your business at the same time. And so during that time, you had pretty much the role of taking care of the children. And then your businesses both grew parallel to each other. And then you had to kind of reevaluate that role of parenting. Can you share a little bit about that? 
Yeah, that, you know, I grew up in a pretty traditional household and so did my husband um, with mom home and dad working. And I mean, we both have amazing moms who are incredible and who's, you know, my, my dad and his dad both very much respect the work of raising children. So I never felt like it was a lesser job, but um, we've had to adjust. That's a different lifestyle for us. Um, I do work a lot more now. And what I'm thankful for is that even though entrepreneurship is so difficult and we've both had really challenging times, we can adjust to each other's schedules. So even during coronavirus, like he was able to, you know, cut his day short here, fit in a call here. And we, we really listen to each other. And I think we talk through what our priorities are. Um, and have, he's had to definitely step in more. Um, but I think he, he respects me so much and what I've done, which I, whether or not my business has made money, but just how much I enjoy it and my passion for it. Um, so we've found a, a common ground there in that, you know, he knows how hard it is to be an entrepreneur and I do too. So we give each other, we cut each other slack when we're both in hard seasons and then step in when we can. Yeah. I love that Amazing. because it wasn't ending. It didn't end up what you thought it was going to be and it way more and probably the same with him. Right. And yeah. so that's just really cool to hear. Well, Anne, thank you for being on this podcast with us. Um, and would you mind sharing with our audience how they can find you, follow you and buy from you? Absolutely. Um, so our website is yearlyco.com, Y-E-A-R-L-Y. And our Instagram is yearly company. Um, and that's where we do a lot of, you know, behind the scenes and stories and all that fun stuff. Um, so you can buy direct from our website. Thank you, Anne. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah, it was good to see you. Hey guys, wait, before you go, we want to remind you that we've created this incredible masterclass. It is totally free. It is our pivot and sell masterclass where we are going to teach you how to create a plan to boost your sales and grow your business right now. You do not want to miss this. It's totally free. So Mina, where should they go? Go to pivotandsell.com and you guys can get that free masterclass and get started on creating a plan to boost your sales right now.